Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Patrick Smith, and we're coming to you live on this Monday, a very rainy Monday here in the northwest of England. Talk about a pretty damp Liverpool performance at the weekend, shall we say, against Bournemouth, before, of course, previewing the Champions League round of 16, second leg tie against Real Madrid on Wednesday. Well, joining me on the pod today, we've got an international panel as the Echo's dynamic duo of Ian Doyle and Paul Gorse are joining us live from Madrid. Doyle, how's the weather over there? Is it all right in Spain? It's, Much it's nicer than being in England, I raining. It's not raining. It's quite sunny, but it's a bit windy. Okay, well, we're also joined by Paul Gorst as well from their lovely hotel in Madrid. Gorst, I presume it's a bit nicer than the harsh conditions you faced in Bournemouth on Saturday. Yeah, well, certainly better than the conditions we faced in Liverpool. It wasn't actually as bad down south. Um, but I'll take Madrid weather over Liverpool's or Bournemouth any day. Yeah, not jealous at all, mate. Rolling <laughs> off the panel, stuck back home with me on rainy Merseyside is Richard Garnett. Who needs sunny Spain, right, Rich? Me. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, anyway. it's a bit, a bit miserable today, isn't it? Here, to be honest yeah. with you, I'd much rather be in Spain um, for any purpose. To be honest with you, not just covering uh, Liverpool, but um, you know, I will uh, pay my dues and sit in this home executive office instead. Yeah, not jealous at all, are we, mate? Nice to be in Merseyside Street. <laughs> That's our panel, everyone. We'll get stuck into it. As I said, we are live. So make sure you drop us your comments in the comment section below and some questions if you have them. We'll try and get to them at the end of the show if we have time. Dolly, I'll come to you first. As I said, both you and Gorsley witnessed that painful early kickoff at the Vitality. Yet another terrible away performance from Liverpool, wasn't it? Have you had any further thoughts of what felt like a very long weekend? Well, it was a very long weekend, yeah. Especially if you've got to drive there and then drive back. Um, it wasn't a very good performance. First 20 minutes, it was all right. And you, you just can't got the impression after 20 minutes, you're thinking, oh, this is actually, as you would have expected, Bournemouth are not very good. And I have to say that while Bournemouth won, I still fully expect them to get relegated. I don't think they played particularly well against Liverpool. It's just how bad Liverpool were in the second half going forward, at least. I mean, defensively, they just kind of switched off, didn't they, a couple of times in the first half. That's how Bournemouth got their goal. Uh, but Liverpool in the first 20 minutes, what was it? Uh, Van Dijk had a header off the line. I'm sure there was something else happened. I know I know Van Dijk had a chance of, uh, when it was one, nearly could have equalised one all with a header. But there was just that, oh, oh, Robertson had a shot, didn't he, as well? That was the keeper Gakko saved. Well. Yeah, Gakko. yeah. So there was, all, there was this kind of suggestion that Liverpool just had to carry on doing what they were doing, but they just stopped. Whether or not they thought, oh, this is a bit easy, but they should have known because, you know, I know a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but some people were saying that was a big surprise that Liverpool lost to Bournemouth after what happened against Manchester United last week. It's like anybody who was surprised by that has probably not been watching Liverpool all season. It was exactly what a lot of people expected to happen. They watched them all the time. Not least because of that kit, which they just need to burn. 
burn it to the ground. They just need to get rid of it. I mean, let's be, I know football fans are superstitious at the at the worst of times, but, you know, they've all picked up on the fact that Liverpool can't win in this kit and it carries on and uh, they've got any games left in it. I'm not sure. They've got to play anyone. Because Chelsea pretty soon, aren't they, away from home? That'll be red. That'll be red. red. Yeah. Come on, red doesn't... Yeah, that would be the green one, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, mm. So that might be it for the kids, so hopefully, anyway, because it's, it's uh, pretty right, in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> To be honest, it, it, looks, it looks like it's been put in the wash with the red and the green one. Yeah, but the kit isn't the reason Liverpool lost. They lost because they just didn't, didn't really turn up. Uh, there was some, you know, there should be some question marks over Jurgen Klopp, his team selection. I thought Jordan Henderson should have started, but obviously... There was a suggestion of a cold, which meant that he couldn't play from the start. But then, do you want to play two teenagers in the midfield against the team that's going to be scrapping like that? And uh, even then, you could argue that he made the changes a bit too late. Could have made more at half-time, given the way the game was going. And then, they still got a penalty in the second half, which was a miracle in itself, given it's the first penalty they've had in the Premier League since last April. And... Good old Salah, I think. I'm not sure whether he got shown on television, but he was speaking to Neto before. It was is Neto with the goalkeeper, wasn't it? Yeah. Neto, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was speaking to him before the game in the tunnel. And he was like, what's going on there? He had a look. And it's like, well, they played together at Fiorentina. So I do wonder whether that was playing on his mind a little bit. And it wasn't great timing, given the fact he'd done the interview with Stephen Gerrard early in the week where he said, I hate penalties. I don't like taking them. Well, James Milner was on the pitch at that point. He could yeah. have taken it. So, yeah. All in all, one of those weekends that uh, you just want to, Forget about quickly because Liverpool are running out of games now. They've uh, they've got what twelve games left, and suddenly look at the next three. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but the next three are City, Chelsea, and Arsenal. And if they don't take at least four points from that, then that's probably it in terms of the top four. Yeah, it was really strange as you say they were attacking really well. I thought in the first twenty minutes it looked like you know they're going to go on and win it. Credit to Bournemouth, I suppose they must have made some tweaks and changed it, but. Of course, it was pretty uninspiring from Liverpool, wasn't it? Mo Stewart, who does our Analysing Anfield podcast, summed it up very well in the phrase, that predictable unpredictability away from home this season. They've been so poor. Three wins in the Premier League away from home all season. Why are they so bad on the road? I don't know. It's a relatively new addition to, to Liverpool's makeup on the Jurgen Klopp, the fact that they're so, so desperate at times in away games. Klopp got asked after, it, after the game and, and he, he basically said that he knows, he's fully aware of how poor they are on the road, but it's one of those things you can't really put your finger on as to why. It's it's not something you associate with, with Jürgen Klopp's team being quite flighty and, and wilting under pressure when the going gets tough. You know, you'd associate them with being the, the famous mentality monsters and all that kind of stuff, but to be honest, this season, as soon as any kind of setback has been thrown in, thrown in front of them or whatever, they've they've been found wanting so many times. They've taken, um, I did a piece on it yesterday, they've taken nine points from a possible 39 games where they've they've gone behind first. Um, three of them were against Leicester when Wild Faz scored those couple of comical own goals. Three of them were against Newcastle when Fabio Carvalho scored in the 98th minute. That was something you, you used to associate with Jürgen Klopp's Liverpool playing to the very last whistle, making sure that they squeezed everything possible out of a game. But since then, it's, it's just been, you know, as soon as Liverpool... As soon as they, they get a knock, as Klopp says, then you know that they haven't really got the stomach for the fight and the heads drop, confidence goes, and, and more often than not, they end up on, on the losing side. They've lost seven now away from home. Um, Leeds, the one game they have lost at home, it was another one of those games where they, they went behind first and the confidence 
went out of the team. That was a bit of a weird one at Anfield that night, the late kickoff on the Saturday night. And yeah, it's um it's a recent kind of unwanted string to the the bow, if you like that, you know, this is a team now that can't inspire a, a comeback and a fight back whenever they, they go behind first. And um I don't think that was ever more evident than on Saturday. I think Liverpool could still be playing now and, and Bournemouth would be knocking balls away without too much pressure. I can't really think of any, of any chances in the second half apart from the penalty. Um, and Jürgen Klopp really went for it, didn't he? He brought on Joss, he brought on Firmino. Gakpo was still there, Salah was still there and, and he had four forwards on the pitch and didn't create any real chance. And, and um, you know, after the United game, you sort of looking at this Real Madrid game thinking, oh, well, you know, Stranger things have happened and whatever else, but after after Saturday, you're looking at it now thinking, well, you know, how bad might it get on Wednesday night against the champions of Europe? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But Rich, the point Goldstein made there, you know, Liverpool very patient in attack, but also very uninspiring, I think is the word I'd use. They didn't really threaten the side that were bottom of the league when they kicked off. Now, what do you think is the main problem there? Because they have struggled against these low block sides. Lots of teams lower down the table have done that to Liverpool and caused them problems. Do you think they need, you know, a creative midfielder, maybe some changes in attack? What do you think is the solution to that problem? Um, to be honest, I think they need a better attitude. I just feel... Um that the actual uh, application that we saw against the likes of United, Manchester City and, and other big games does just doesn't seem to be replicated against the lesser teams for whatever reason that is. Maybe it's because they're not chasing a Premier League title. Maybe it's because they had injuries earlier in the season and, and were a bit dysfunctional. And, you know, there's, there, there's lots of different reasons why Liverpool just haven't delivered this year. But just as, just as you get into a situation where they've strung some decent results together around Madrid aside uh, and look they got some momentum and obviously a, a fantastic result against Manchester United you, you, you're, you're lured into that uh, false uh, trap of uh, security aren't you thinking that everything's okay and and, and all of a sudden uh, on a lunchtime Saturday kickoff you're given a reminder that actually that there's quite a few issues here and and I, I, I sort of right at the start of the season when things weren't going too well I did kind of question Liverpool's attitude then, but they just seem to be happy to, um, you know, because you think about how much pressing they used to be and all of a sudden they seem to be happy just to keep the ball and knock it around and say, look, we, we've got very talented footballers here and eventually, uh, you know, we're going to we're gonna pass this to a point where um, where we'll win the game. Uh, I, I did question it then, but it, it, it did, I did feel a bit uncomfortable about doing that in that, obviously, you come, you're coming off the back of a season where you've nearly won four trophies. It's very, very difficult to, uh, to pick holes when a team's reached the levels that it has and there's, you know it's not like they're um, having to have a point to prove or anything like that but it's almost like there's just been like a, a drop off in term in terms of that attitude and just desire just to just to win a football match regardless of who you're playing against and um you you could 
tinker that team to death if you wanted, but unless you've got that attitude spot on, you can quite easily lose to a, a team in the top flight of English football, as simple as that. And uh, I reckon come Wednesday, their attitude will be where it needs to be and will probably put in something of a performance against Real Madrid. But unfortunately, it, it may be too little too late. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, I don't really like to question players' attitudes because they're professional elite footballers. You know, that's definitely not a problem. But then you look at it at Bournemouth and you kind of want to, you know, I'm sure every Liverpool fan at home or at the ground was just screaming at them, come on, like, they need a bit of urgency here. There just seems to be such patience in the build-up that sort of ends up nowhere. You kind of, you know, wish they would just sort of take more risks. But then I suppose that could go badly as well, couldn't it? Um, Doily, in terms of the top four then, there was a chance missed. They could have gone into the top four for about 10 minutes, I think, at full-time, had they won. But Spurs obviously won anyway, so it wouldn't have lasted that long. Um, do you think Liverpool will finish inside the top four? Because, you know, after the United game, it was very much the talk of it's back on now, it's going to happen. Whereas now we're heading into this international break. It's not looking great for Liverpool, is it? Yeah, I've no idea. Let's be honest, no one's got any idea. They'll do well to do it. I think you look at Newcastle now, they seem to have overcome their little bump. And if you look at the fixtures and Newcastle probably got the, the better ones. Liverpool isn't too difficult after this first week back, but it's pointless unless they get, as I said before, at least four points from there. You're looking at possibly even six. So it's pointless when you lose every away game as well. well that's it. You know, you're never gonna you're never gonna get anywhere unless you start getting some results away from home. And I think Liverpool's last they've got six at home, six away, and I think four of the last six away games are against teams in the bottom six or something like that, which is obviously they've already lost to Forest, lost at Wolves, uh, lost at Bournemouth. And so it's not going particularly well. So uh, it doesn't matter where they go, let's be honest. What is it? The one at Newcastle, one at Tottenham, one at Villa. Yeah. So it would actually, they probably got more chance playing against the likes of City and Chelsea away from home because they might actually get something from it because they just seem to raise the game. And then it's kind of like <clears throat> the last week has been more very old Liverpool where they get a really good result against a good team and then they go the following week against a not very good team and get beat. And anybody who's watched Liverpool through the 1990s and the 2000s would be like, oh, well, I recognise this team. But uh, in terms of it being compared to last year and the year before, you've got to bear in mind that the team that played against started against Bournemouth, me and Ghosty were talking about this today, is that you had two teenagers in midfield, neither of whom played much last season, or one of them who didn't play at all and still hasn't even got, what's it, hasn't got 15 senior games under his belt. Um, you got two new forwards up front. One of them's only been there for three months, so it is difficult because there's so much change in the in the different areas of the team. And I'm pretty sure that last season, if you had two teenagers in midfield, regardless of how good they are, Liverpool won't have the same kind of like attitude, same ability to overcome the knocks because they're not used to it. They're literally not used to it, and all the other players have gained it over time. Whether they've gained that at Liverpool or they've gained that at another club, which is why Liverpool have then bought them or brought them in or they've. Brought them, brought them on in terms of the way that they play. So it is a it is a tricky one. But in terms of the top four, it's 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 hard because to be honest, let's be honest, they're all rubbish. Let's be, let's be honest. Like, I mean, Tottenham are not particularly great. They should be way clear than, compared to where they are. But I don't know what's going with Conte. He just seems to be like winding up the fans by making these slightly odd decisions. Chelsea, I couldn't believe how many points Chelsea is still behind Liverpool. It's five, isn't it? They're still five yeah. points behind, yeah. So even though they seem to have hit a bit of form, it'll take something ridiculous for them to get in the top four. Newcastle, we've mentioned, you know, said that they've kind of overcome their bump, but they still don't score many goals. And you can see them struggling a bit towards the end of the season. So 
it's like the chance is there for Liverpool, but if they can't, as we've said before, if they can't win games or games that they should be winning, it's different if you lose at Man City or you get a draw at Chelsea or something like that, but to then lose to... But it may, the, the win over United was now completely pointless. Completely pointless. You may as well have lost 1-0 to United and won 1-0 against Bournemouth. You know what I mean? So yeah. it just doesn't... It's it's wasted everything that they got for. I mean, it was a great it was a great day for the fans. Let's let's, let's be honest, and people remember it. And you'd rather that happen than not. But in terms of the context of the season, it hasn't really meant much. And it was interesting that I wrote a piece before the game against Bournemouth, saying, "Look, a number of times Liverpool have had a good result against it, and, um, like a massive win against somebody, and the next time they play them, or one of the next times that they play against them, they struggle." The, the most famous example is obviously they beat Palace nine nil in. 89-90, and then by the end of the season, they lost a, uh, an FA Cup semi-final against them. But they beat Southampton 7-1, wasn't it? Um, about 97-98, something like that. And then they lost the next game against Southampton. And then somebody else tweeted out and said, there's been four 9-0 wins in Premier League history. And in the next meeting between all the teams, the team who got beat 9-0 had never lost. So it just goes to show that when you have such a beating, on, you know, you take such a beating, you're going to respond. And I think that kind of worked negatively for Liverpool, who probably thought they were going to win easy after that first... Not, from the, not at the start of the game, after the first 20 minutes, because they had the right attitude after that, going into the game. They, had, you know, they looked like they actually meant business, but they fell away. But Bournemouth just seemed to take heart from it. And possibly at the, the, back, of the, mind of the you know, back of the mind of the players, they were thinking, well, hang on, we lost 9-0 to these. We can't let these in. And Liverpool managed to not score a goal against a team that, since the World Cup, has offered up more chances than any other Premier League team. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, it was so frustrating. I think the point you made as well about the midfield, you know, I think now Liverpool are in a position where you should be choosing Bicetic or Elliot, especially against the side of the lower half. You know, you've got Jefferson Lerma and Killing in there, two big physical players. It wasn't their fault because they did they, they no. just did what they had to do. And I thought both exactly. were Liverpool's best players. But uh, you know, I, 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 there, there's you know, at the risk of saying it, it, it did kind of it was a game where Thiago would have done really well, I think. Yeah. It was a game where they missed Thiago. I know, I know Rich was on a podcast with me early, earlier this year where he was like not really uh, having much time for Thiago, but uh, I think that's one game where he was missed. It's one game where you wouldn't throw the kids in because, you know, Bournemouth always feels like a cup tie, doesn't it? A small, traditional English ground, a big from physical it. midfield. They'll they'll from it. They have to learn some time. It's just yeah. that in, in the last couple of years, they haven't necessarily learned that. In a Liverpool team that's been struggling, they've learned it in a Liverpool team that's been winning. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, exactly. We'll definitely take it as learning experience for them. And we'll leave Bournemouth there, thankfully. Don't worry, viewers, we'll change our attention now to Paul Gorst, who's in Spain in Madrid for us. Gorsty, can we expect anything from Real Madrid against Liverpool? Have you got any optimism that you can share with our viewers? <clears throat> So fun this because, like I said, you know, after that United game, you're sort of looking at that thinking, oh, well, you know, with a, maybe a bit of a fair win and a good start, Liverpool might be able to to do the improbable. But looking at it now, I'm actually worried that Real Madrid could turn up and Liverpool could be on the end of a really embarrassing aggregate scoreline. Um, so it's it's tough, isn't it? I think I don't think Liverpool are going to be. I don't think it'll be too advantageous to them in a, in a weird way for them to come flying out the traps and, and be, you know, tuning up after 20 minutes like they were in Anfield. I know they need three goals, but they'd be better off just, you know, real throwing the kitchen sink at it in the final 20, 
20 minutes or so because Real Madrid are just so adept at kind of adjusting to what they need to do in, in games that if Liverpool get the scoreline they need or want too early, um, Real Madrid will be able to come back into it. We've seen that so often last season in the Champions League across the the six games with, with Man City, PSG and, and Chelsea, didn't we? And, and they ended up obviously winning the, the Champions League, beating Liverpool the final. So they just never know when, when they're beating Real Madrid. So, you know, Liverpool can go 2-0 or 3-0 up and Real Madrid, if they've got enough time, will will come back into that game and, and will emerge as, as victors as they tend to do. So it's a strange one, really. Normally, you know, needing three goals just to force extra time, you'd be talking about absolutely flying off the traps and, you know, throwing it all on the line as, as early as possible. But I don't think Liverpool should be doing that. Um, we'll see kind of how they approach it. But um, it's just something about the makeup of this Real Madrid team that um, means that maybe they'll have to be a little bit more cautious than, than they normally would. So um, difficult to make a case for them, if I'm being honest. But, um, you know, I suppose Liverpool have... I've made a habit of, of, you know, the completing Mission Impossible in the Champions League. Um, you know, certainly Barcelona, it's 2019, sticks out. Uh, obviously, Istanbul is the iconic one, but um, we'll see. I mean, it's uh, I'm normally I normally like to be optimistic on these pods and whatever else, but I think this might be the uh, might be a bridge too far for them. I like to present myself as the antithesis of Doily, but uh, <laughs> I suspect he, you know, I, I might be in agreement with him when uh, we make our score lines at the end. That wasn't yeah. a very nice thing to say, Paul. This is a start. Our long trip has not long started, He's so you need to be on your best behaviour. Glad you got separate rooms. <laughs> oh my, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's, it's a good point you make, Gorsi, because I'm in agreement with you. Like, I, I kind of don't want them to rush out the traps. You want them to, you know, maybe go one lap in the first time. And this is really hypothetical and kind of ridiculous saying it. But you don't really want them to go two and lap until 70, 80 minutes, and then they can just throw the kitchen sink in the last 10. I mean, Rich, we've seen so many iconic European nights. If any club can, it's going to be Liverpool. But most of them have been at home, haven't they? So, I mean, are you optimistic heading into this one? Do you think they've got a chance? Well... I don't know if I'm suffering from seasonal affection disorder or or what, but I'm trying to get a positive spin on this because, well, Paul and Ian, you're in Spain now, so you might as well enjoy it uh, and hope that you're going to be uh, there to witness one of the greatest comebacks in the history of the Champions League. And who knows, uh, maybe Liverpool will be capable of doing it. I'm trying to think of a time away from Anfield, Liverpool came back from three goals down. can think of one particular one in the uh, Ataturk Stadium. Might may have uh, only been in six minutes, but it, it does show you that uh, football can change very quickly, can't it? It only takes a couple of incidents. Someone could get sent off. There could be a an incident that leads to a, a quick fire uh, set of goals. So any, anything can happen. And I think wasn't it uh, Juventus went to uh, the Bernabeu once three 0 down and, and got it back to three all, and, and were only uh, kicked out via a Ronaldo penalty deep in injury time. Uh, I seem to remember. So they, they are capable of shipping a few goals at home. I do agree, though. I don't think it's a case of going gunno. There's no need to go with four strikers or or something wild, I don't think, because as we saw at Anfield, Madrid, they're just capable of picking you off, aren't they? If you if you leave the gaps, you're going to get killed. So th- there's no point in in just going for it like that. You've got to, got to be measured. And, and, you know, if you can get one in the first half, chip away. Uh, and then see what happens. And, and obviously, the later you go into the game, you, the more risks 
you're going to have to take. But, um, you know, under the lights, it could be a classic Liverpool uh, European away adventure uh, with one of the uh, most memorable talked about results in the club's history. Uh, wouldn't want to put money on it, but uh, we can live in hope. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, that's things off. If Liverpool do say go gung ho and knock themselves out, Madrid have the far better options, I think, off the bench. They've got so much better squad depth than Liverpool. And that's where the problems will probably lie, I think, in the last 20, 30 when they bring on their replacements. I mean, we saw Rodrigo last year, didn't we? Come on, score those two against City. Ridiculous scenes. Um, Doyle, let's say hypothetically, it could look like a silverware this season. I mean, if Liverpool don't make the top four as well, you, you strip out the entire defensive midfield and start again. And also, after Gorsty's little jibe at the optimism, are you going to be an ever-optimistic presence of positivity and believe that Liverpool can turn it around? No. <clears throat> Let's be honest, they're not going to do it. That, that, that's hardly like being negative. But as you said, Rich, they were three, they, they, they shipped three goals against Juventus, but they still got the one goal at the end. Like Ghosty says, they always get the goal, what they need. But was it last season? Chelsea went 3 0 up there, didn't they? In their second leg, having lost the first leg 3 1, and then it ended up being 3 2. I'm sure it was something like that. You know, Chelsea basically 3 1, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, they got themselves in a position. Yeah. They got themselves in a position where they were basically level on the tie. So Liverpool, obviously, there's no way goals anymore. So they don't have to score five. Three would take them to extra time. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I was at the uh, the Chelsea Liverpool game in 2009, where Liverpool lost the first game three one at home. And then after about I can't remember how long it was. I think it was half time. It was two 0 wasn't it? To Liverpool, so they, they only needed one more. And then within about 15 minutes, it was three two to Chelsea on the night. And with about five minutes to go, it was suddenly it's four three to Liverpool, and then they only needed one more goal, and then Chelsea made it four all at the end. So. You know, I think I wouldn't be surprised if it was something like that, something like ridiculous, where they go out just all guns blazing. And I, I don't see any point in saving it for the last fifteen to ten minutes. <laughs> They're losing by three goals. <laughs> they need to like get a move on. They can't just like tippy tappy it around at the back. They, if I was Liverpool, Brown did have got a very big game coming up on Sunday. I think it is Saturday or Sunday against Barcelona, El Clasico, and the miles behind in the league. So technically, they really need to win. I just get stuck into them because they'll be thinking, you know, they're human beings. If they get, if, if Liverpool gets stuck into them from the start, they think, well, hang on, we're winning by three goals here. I don't want to get injured for this big game that's coming up. So yeah. I think, but then by the same token, that you can see Re- you can see Real Madrid going, we're winning by three goals here. Let's just get a couple of goals early on and then we'll see what happens. Because they, yeah. imagine if Real Madrid go 2-0 up and then Liverpool score five. Imagine that. Well, it would, it would be good, but also bad bad for me and Ghosty because it would mean extra time. That's a lot less time for some of that stuff. And then it could go to penalties. The only score it could go to penalties. So don't really want that. Um, but yeah. Also, also, there's another game going on this week over here. Tomorrow I'll be in Lisbon. Uh, the youth team are playing against Sporting Lisbon in the quarterfinals of the UEFA Youth League. So, you know, they might be a, a week where... Yeah, maybe one Liverpool team goes out of Europe or another one gets themselves after the semi-finals. So, yeah, you know, the likes of Ben Doak, Bobby Clark, we're expecting them to play. So it'll be a strong Liverpool team in that game. But Sporting Lisbon tonked Ajax in the last round. Of, mm. uh, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying. And Ajax, I while, Liverpool, it, I think. Yeah, while Liverpool beat Ajax at home, they, they lost away. You know, me, me and Ghost, they were in, in Amsterdam. There were one of our former colleagues spent part of the game look, going on Google looking at fried chicken. So, uh, very strange. But, uh, yeah, Liverpool lost. So, there you go. Good luck to, yeah. good luck to the youngsters tomorrow. 
Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully they can get that one round and we'll have an academy show covering that should they go through. Hopefully they do. They've got a very talented young squad there. And with that then, let's pick our teams, shall we, for Liverpool against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Gorsty, let's come to you first then for the defence. Alisson is undoubtedly going to be between the sticks. Are you going with the same back four we've seen over the past month or are you going to make a risky change? Yeah, I can't really make make the case for, for anyone else to come in, really. Um, Gomez and, and Mata have been way off the pace and we, we've seen that quite recently, haven't we? So uh, I'm, I'm sticking with the same back uh, back five. I mean, Rich, Matip's form has been very inconsistent, I'll be nice and say, this season. Um, is there any chance for maybe putting him in? He's a bit more attacking, you know, there's runs forward he can make. Could that be a little wild card you throw in at the burner bar or you're not going to take that risk? Um, I'm not going to take that risk, Pat. Um, I'll stick with the same back four and goalkeeper. Probably no surprises there. There's been so much chopping and changing in the middle, hasn't there? We need to start getting a bit of continuity going here, even when results don't go uh, the right way as, as they didn't on Saturday. A, they've only conceded one goal though at the end of the day. Um, and that that does look like a partnership uh, that needs to blossom Van Dijk and, uh, and Canate. So uh, let's stick with that. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Dolly, I think I can guess your prediction for the back four. So if you want to talk us through that and then your midfield as well. The only difference that you might do at, um, in the defence is at fullback. You might play Milner instead of Alexander Arnold, which is a possibility. I think. I think Alexander Arnold, when he's been subbed the last couple, there's been a couple of games recently where he's been subbed and he's not really tired. Certainly away from home, Milner came on and made a difference against. Both. Well, he put in the cross, didn't he, for the uh, Jota handball to win the penalty. So that's possibly something that might happen. Milner against mid- finishes junior Dolly. Trent against Vinicius Junior. Come on, anyone against mm. Vinicius Junior. Come on, he's quite good at football. Yeah. But I, I must. But I tell you what, if he got past Milner once, he won't get past him a second time. <laughs> so saying, you did say you wanted them to get stuck into them. So uh, who better for the job? Exactly, well, exactly. Yeah. So so that the, or do you play Milner in midfield? That could be a shout. So you could play Milner in midfield. In fact, in fact, come back to me on the midfield. I'll have a think about it. All right, we'll come back to Dordelli's midfield then. Gorst, if you want to talk us through your midfield, are you going to throw Milner in there for a bit of physicality? No, uh, I'm going to bring back Henderson. Um, probably going to keep Elliot and Fabinho. Um, I think I think maybe Henderson didn't start on Saturday because he'd obviously played against United and Klopp maybe thinks at the age of 30, so is he? Um, he's not somebody who can put in you know, um, back-to-back shifts like that. We're saving for Wednesday. Maybe thinking they had enough in reserve to, to beat Bournemouth. He would have been within his rights to have thought that, but the players weren't up to it. But yeah, I'm going to bring Henderson back in. He, he, you know, I thought Liverpool massively missed him, to be honest. And on Saturday, he hasn't even had a good season, but he just missed his, his intensity and you know his ability to kind of rouse the troops. Everyone else just looked kind of a bit lacklustre and, and a bit lazy without him. So uh, put him back in and, and keep Elliot in because... Uh, wasn't great against Bournemouth. I thought he had his best ever game for Liverpool against United. Rich, how about yourself? Are you going to keep out anything by Shetich? Has he got a chance of staying in that side or what are you going to do with the old midfield? No, I don't think so. I, I always I always big up James Milner on this pod, to be honest with you. Um, but he's not he's not in the midfield. Um, I, I, I just fancy, although I could see the merits of, of uh, Milner for his robustness and his experience 
just need to get the balance right, I think. And I think Fabino and Henderson will give you that experience and hopefully control to as much as you can of that area uh, with Elliot providing the youth and, and, and hopefully a bit, a bit of drive. Um, I, I just expect, you know, sometimes this Liverpool midfield looks like it's low energy, but I just feel that against against the top clubs, they, they find a different gear and can just give you a bit more uh, that, than they uh, sometimes don't because um, that, that level of consistency that seems to have killed them a bit. But uh, yeah, I would go just the one change. I'd have like Fabino Henderson back in with Ellis. Very nice. Doily, you've had a while to think of your midfield. What's going to be the three you select? Or maybe it's a two? Right, the three is going to be Henderson, Milner and Elliott. And purely on the basis that, that probably two of them are not going to finish the game. Liverpool need to score three goals. If they're going to score most, most of the goals, if they're going to score them, they're going to be two in the last half an hour. So you get them on just to make sure that, that if they're still in the game or not being, you know, I know we're talking about going for it in the last 10 minutes, but you've got to still make sure that you are in it you can't just go for it from the start. I think Milner will get some probably half time. Or I say this as if I'm picking the team, like, but you know, I think if you're going to play Milner, you know quite well he's not lasting the 90 minutes. He'll probably get an hour. Yeah. And it's better in playing from the start than at the end because if you need goals, you don't yeah. bring Milner on the last half hour. So that's my reason behind that. Henderson instead of Fabinho because Fabinho, I think that they're getting rotated now in that position. And Elliot, for the same reason that the other lads have said, I think he's, he's young. He's, he's he's got the legs, and he had a good game, you know, against United. And I think he could uh, he could cause them a few issues, certainly with his, his his passing. Yeah, I think Henderson, Fabinho, oh, Henderson definitely comes, and I think club captain's got to play. No one's asked me, no one cares, but I'm going to throw a wild card, and I think Naby Kate is the one I'd. Throw a little gambling. That's going to be a popular one in the comments. Sink or swim. Where's that come from? He plays well against Spanish sides. He plays well against Spanish teams in the Champions League. Bit of energy. What about Lango? Okay, okay. I reckon the midfield should be Arthur Mello, uh, (laughs) Naby Keita, and Curtis Jones. And I know people will laugh at that, but why not? Let's be honest. Everything else hasn't hasn't worked. Naby Keita plays well in the Champions League, and apart from against Roma, away from home, where he famously got subbed before half time. Apart from that, well, maybe you can, you know, revenge those bad memories. <laughs> anyway, we'll move swiftly on from our shout there. Gorsty, do you want to talk us through your front three? <clears throat> yeah, I still don't think Diogo Jossard is, is quite firing on all cylinders from his return from injury. Plenty of effort, but uh, quality is just still waiting to find that. So uh, I wouldn't be starting him. Maybe he's, he's a good option with the last, you know, 20, 25 minutes if you need the goal or two. Or three, um, and ditto for Firmino, really. So, I'm going to stick with Nunes on the left because he, he's got the ability to, to stretch teams, hasn't he? Particularly away from home, big open spaces of the Bernabeu, he'll be looking to run in behind there. Gakpo, uh, probably the best of a really poor bunch on Saturday, and obviously, Mo Salah is, is Mo Salah. Yeah, I mean. Rich is a tricky one, isn't it? Because just over a week ago, that front three had scored seven against our arch rivals, Man United. And then they blanked against the bottom of the league at the time on Saturday. I mean, what are you going to go for on this? Is there any chance Roberto Firmino could get a little nice, you know, last Champions League match for Liverpool potentially? Well, we all fire blanks from time to time, Pat. That's just uh, the way of the world. Um, but, uh, you know, if you look at the first leg, Liverpool went 2 0 up uh, with a front three of Salah, Gapco, and Nunes. Uh, unfortunately, what happened after that all happened behind that front three. So, that's already proven that it can cause that Madrid backline some problems. Um, and I've, as 
as Doyle said there, uh, or was it, might have been Paul actually, um, uh, Diogo Jot is not quite, it does not quite add it at the moment. He's still, I don't think he still hasn't got a goal, has he, since his return to the team? Um, hasn't and, scored since April last year. April last year. Well, there you go. We can uh, we can all, almost celebrate the uh, anniversary of it soon, but hopefully that won't be the case. But yeah, it, so I don't think he's the man to turn to from the start. And uh, the same with Firmino. This front, this sort of developing front three has looked good in recent weeks. It was fantastic against Man United and, and obviously very good in those early stages against Madrid. So uh, let's keep faith with that. And if they can get another two early goals, like they did at Anfield, who knows what could happen after that? <laughs> who knows what could happen? I like when Ghost is saying whether they need one, two, three. Maybe it could be they need four or five goals the way things are going at the moment. Dolly, then, if you want to round off our team selector with your attack, I liked your sort of joking experimental midfield. You said, are you going to surprise us in the attack? Yeah, I'm going to go with Jota, Firmino and Salah. Salah's will be absolutely desperate to do something for lots of reasons against Real Madrid. I think Nunes was poor against uh, against Bournemouth and probably it's his time for Jota to have a start. And Firmino, same thing. And also on the basis that I'd expect Firmino and Jota to not last beyond an hour and that you will bring on Nunes and Gakpo. And then probably, I don't know, Cavalio as well. Just throw everybody on and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, no one asked me, but I think that's the way to go about it. Me and, of course, you similarly thought, you know, it's a good tactic to try and sort of pace themselves and go 1-0 up early, maybe go 2 after 70 minutes. I think that's the way to do it. Start with, make it sound so easy. Make it sound I'm so easy. I'm it sound very simple. Yeah, let's do this. If yeah, that is the game yeah. plan, you start for Mino and Jasper, then you can bring on Nunes and Gakpo and Nunes for that bit of dynamism in the last 20, because that'll get... You know, Real Madrid a bit scared, I think, at the back. If you brought Nunes on, should you need those goals? But the reality is they're probably going to be needing four or five goals. Let's be brutally honest, shall we? Well, let's do our score predictions then on that note. Gorsley, we'll come to you first. What's your prediction for this one? Are you going to maintain the optimism you've had throughout this live stream? Um, I, I, I just I, I can't see Liverpool doing it. I think it'd be nice if they, if they won... I don't see them winning three 0 or going through to extra time and going through, but it maybe just would be a, a huge boost to the confidence of what they can do away from home if they were to win, whether that's one nil or two one or whatever. Um, so that'd be nice to think that, but I think I'm going to go two all draw. Rich, have you got any more optimism on a two all draw? You know, can you do better than that for us? Picture the scene. It's about. 25 degrees, dark, the bright lights of the Bernabeu, the smell of San Miguel in your nostrils could be the sign of a great European night. 3-3. Doyle, round of our predictions then. What are you going to go for on this one? I love the fact we've all gone with the same thing because I think Liverpool will win 3-2. Um, I just think it's one of those kind of crazy games that people remember for 10 minutes and then forget because they lost at the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I th- I'm, I'm going to go for a three-one. I think Liverpool will get the three, and then Real Madrid will get that goal because they always do, and it'll be a really oh. annoying late one. You know, I can just Don't see say that. that. But with, with, at least we were all, you know, cautioning it a little bit. So does, does just, it have to be? Does it have to be five-two to go to penalties? Do away goals come in? Yes, extra time? Is that five-two. Five-two. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go five-two and <laughs> Alison Becker to score the winning penalty. That's my prediction. Get ahead. <laughs> Yeah. From, from, from a penalty, he'll slide in across yeah. the box and that it. Yeah, <laughs> lovely stuff. Well, that just about wraps up the pod. There, a huge thank you to all of you for tuning into this live edition of the Blood Red podcast on our Facebook and Blood Red YouTube channel. Make sure you do subscribe to that YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our daily content. 
plenty of stuff going on around the Champions League tower with Real Madrid, as well as subscribing to us on whichever platform you get your podcasts from. Don't miss any of our daily episodes. But for now, a huge thank you for tuning in for myself, Patrick Smith, Ian Doyle, Paul Gorst and Rich Garnett. We'll catch you again soon and hopefully after a miracle at the Bernabeu. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.